Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights. First, thanks sponsors, Tops, Panini, Upper Deck, Heritage Auctions, Huggins and Scott Auctions, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Burbank Sports Cards, CompC.com, and Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication. An outtake episode, I get going with John Newman. It's actually the time of year when there are shows talking about the national and I guest and people come on my show as well. It's a lot of fun. And John Newman, one of the more prolific podcasters, but this is outtakes. We were talking for probably about an hour and you should definitely check out all of his stuff. He's got many things going, but they all have value and have a little bit of a different point of view, each one, but I enjoy them all, recommend them to you. But these are outtakes on podcasting. When things come up on these other shows, there are things I don't think I've said before or haven't said it in that way. I just would like to give credit to the show that I was on, but to bring that snippet or that outtake or that excerpt into my listeners. Again, thanks, John Newman. Thanks for always a great conversation. And he's just able to go a lot longer than I can. I'm staying to 15 minutes. So this is probably 12 minutes, a much longer conversation that I enjoyed. And I hope you enjoy this. So here it is. Putting that episode together, how difficult was that to do? The only antidote to Getting old and dying is dying young. So my dad was 97 and a half, and we knew he wasn't going to live forever. We did have a goal. He made it one week past his 75th wedding anniversary with my mom, who's also having difficulty. And in one more week, he would have made it to Father's Day. A lot of firsts this year for missing my dad. It'll sink in as those things happen. But, John, any good qualities that I have, I got them from my dad or my mom (laughs) or both. And the few bad qualities that I have also perhaps did not come from my dad or my mom, but must have picked up a few bad habits along the way. But I had a great mom and dad. You can't choose your parents. And I really had great parents. And they had a great marriage, which was a great example, not just to me, but all the people that saw them in action. And my dad did a lot of mentoring and not just his own kids, just really was a nice man, a role model and my first hero. Yeah, no doubt. Served this country. I want to recognize that as well. Entrepreneur, as you mentioned on your programs. So you probably got that gene from them. Going back to your Beckett Media days and you were building that up. Like you said, you had a lot of teammates and people that were responsible along with yourself. And with your dad, how involved was he during those days with the company. Did you lean on him at times when you maybe had a tough decision or was it just sort of stuff you've already learned from growing up and being raised by him? Kind of. Basically, he had his own company. And uh, we talked about business stuff over the years. It was just when it was time and he would be a ready source of info. But as a young man, you want to, as much as you can, do it yourself. My dad wanted me to be self-reliant. But he was always ready. And, of course, my youngest sister worked for me pretty early on and just did a great job. So I had some extra Beckett DNA in the company pretty much almost from the start. You said you got cards from your dad and then you didn't realize that maybe at the time you got some of your uncle's cards as well. Being you became such a prominent figure in the hobby, did your dad collect even later on in life or not necessarily? No, that's the reason I got the cards, because my dad and his younger brother, who was just a little more than a year younger, they just collected when they were in their teens, and they were just in my grandmother's attic. And I was the main collector at that point, 
And at Christmas, we visited. She just brought them down and said, here, we want you to have these. And she'd saved them. They were not even 20 years old at the time. Play balls. This was in the late 50s. They were from the early 40s, the ones he had. That was fortuitous. That was a great blessing. I took really good care of them, but it helped me to see that there are old cards that even their primitive printing and not as fancy as the cards they were making then with tops, they're still really cool. And the Babe Ruth cards and things like that, it was really fundamental to my understanding that this was a hobby you could have for life. But my dad really just vicariously enjoyed it through me. My brother collected for a little while, but then he had other stuff too. In fact, my parents are really good about helping each kid of the five, because I'm the oldest of five, my brother and my three sisters, to each find their own path and come back if you needed help, but find their own path. We still are a close family. Like I said, my sister worked with me and for me for many years and was wonderful. But they just wanted us to each reach our full potential. And my brother had a different path than I did. Actually, he was the one that was in business with my dad. I was independent. Yeah, sounds like a great man and you learned a lot. You're probably still learning in some sort of way. Appreciate you sharing that episode with everybody, including myself. Some months back, you went to Monday, Wednesday, Friday format rather than every day. Some people were a little disappointed that we can't get Dr. Jim every day. Looking back now that you've done that, how do you rate that decision? Is it easier? Is it how you expected it to go, going from five days a week to three? The obvious answer is it's easier. (laughs) And my wife is happy. But more importantly, John, I think if I had not done that, and it was really last Thanksgiving, I didn't have any premonition or prophetic thought that something might happen to my dad or my mom. But I'm really glad because if I would have been doing five times a week, it would have been really difficult the last two and a half months. My dad fell, broke his hip the hospital for a long time and then rehabbed and just really lost a lot of weight. It was pretty rough. I struggled as it was, but again, I got great contributors and people that pitched in. So it came together, but three was way better than five when I'm going over there a lot and just stuff happens. Yeah. Are you pretty disciplined? You mean do an extra one or skip one? Yeah. I've done an extra one a couple of times. If something came up and I thought, I've already got Monday, Wednesday, Friday, but something happened on a Monday night, I'm going to drop something Tuesday morning and just stick it in there. Even though I'm trying to be timeless, sometimes things really need to be dealt with sooner. Yeah, no doubt. But I don't want to skip one because I want to fulfill my promise that I'm going to give less than 15 minutes whenever I do it. And that right now is Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Yeah. What you pack in 12 or 15 minutes, I'm envious because I can't do that sometimes going, it's hard. going 45 it's hard. minutes. <laughs> I feel bad because I really try to edit it to where I'm not cutting any meat. But people ramble sometimes. You do. I don't know who I, I do too. When it's an audio <laughs> podcast, you can think, I'll take out that paragraph. That was interesting. It's relevant, but it's not required. People... I want them to appreciate that it's going to be less than 15 minutes. If all of a sudden I showed up with an hour-long episode, I think people would freak out, including me. (laughs) Speaking of content, what's not slowing down is new content. We're seeing new podcasts get launched, whether it be audio only, video only, or both. Can we get to an oversaturation point of too much content, or will the people who consume content be the judge of that and the consumers of that. Is there a tipping point? If there was a tipping point, we've tipped. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I said, John, it's like restaurants. 
Does the world need another restaurant? Yes, if it's a great restaurant or if it adds something different. But if it's across the corner from another restaurant, it needs to be distinctive. And so if people have a distinctive voice, it's a free world. It's survival of the fittest. So I'm glad people are trying it. But the average podcast lasts seven episodes. So you and I are anomalies. We're the exceptions. Because you actually have something to say, and I actually have something to say. And some people only have seven things to say, and when they say them, they exit stage left. And that's okay. Any trouble coming up with a topic? No. My wife keeps asking me, you going to run out? I said, I'm not going to run out of interesting guests. I'm not going to run out of interesting cards. I'm not going to run out of interesting sets. And the topics, the thematic stuff, there's things pop up and they're going to deal with that. But mainly trying to be timeless. I'm closing in on a thousand and there's another thousand I could do. Now, I'm not promising to do that. And I got Rich Klein. He would never run out. And some of my other guests. I will say this. What I've realized now is where I duplicate and I just can't help it. I've done a lot of listener question episodes now. Some of they're asking for answers to questions. I know I did an episode on, but I have a friend that's a really good podcaster. He's got a couple hundred episodes. When there's a question that comes up or he's talking with somebody, he said, I dealt with that in episode 113. And then five minutes later, it's, I dealt with that in episode 39. And he gives the title of it. And I thought, I don't want to be that guy. So when I get a question in the listener questions, I just answer it. And I try to answer in a different way and not be robotic in my answer and treat the nuance of their question. Otherwise, it'd be boring for me, too. The gentleman you speak of, is he looking that up or does he know off the top of his head like his episode? He's actually scripting them. He and I compared notes. We started about the same time. He's very professional. It's not in the industry, but I have a lot of friends that do podcasting. So we've talked about it. I've learned from him. He's learned from me, but he scripts them. When I started, I thought I'm going to script it and I'm going to read the script. And he's actually a professor also. And so he's used to giving a speech. And I just thought that's not what I want to do, but he has higher production values. I don't want that. That's why I appreciate you. It's just a couple of guys talking. One of the reasons I think you've had a lot of fun with this is because you have different formats and different shows. But my buddy, he's a professor, and so he is scripting even the punctuation, John. He's got a good voice, and he delivers it, and it's great. It doesn't sound like he's reading, but he probably even has a teleprompter. But he doesn't have guests either. So he has no filler words or no start and stop of having a thought and then changing it in the middle, which I do and you do and almost everybody else does. But he's following his script. And I admire that he spent a lot of time on it. So he'll do a draft, then he'll clean up the draft, then he kind of reads it. That wouldn't be fun for me. He can't say he's not prepared. Attention to detail is a great trait about the ongoing situation at Beckett. You like Kevin Isaacson. You know him very well. Is this the last chance or not necessarily? My hope is that the Beckett brand is an enduring brand. There's ups and downs in every brand, but I just want it to be trending up. And I will say this. I've spent more time with the leadership in the last couple of months than I've spent with the company leadership any year for the last 15 years. It's been fun. They're bringing some things up to me. I'm bringing some things up to them. I don't think decisions have been finalized, but I think they're really trying to come out of this with a strong presentation, with a vision that that people can say, yeah, I can get on board with that. That's internally and externally. 
You've stayed in the hobby. You stayed active. Your finger is still very much on the pulse. So it's not like they're listening to someone who left for 20 years. You're still active. You still know what people want, consumers, because you're one yourself. You go to shows. You talk to people. You have them on your show. You see them in person. I'm realizing now that these other content creators out there did take 20 years off or 15 years off. They quit in 2003 and they came back with COVID. And all of a sudden they've got a, a megaphone, a microphone, and they're instant experts. Why can't I be an instant expert too? I didn't even leave. I'm trying to have some continuity with the good old days, the distant old days, the more recent past, and then what's going on now and what's maybe going on in the future. I want to be helpful in that way. But they get to make the call. I'm just an advisor or a consultant. I get it. There's two different philosophies. They're trying to create a path forward. Some people don't think that path forward has anything to do with the past. I don't agree with that, but there's some people that come in, they say they've earned the right to do it the way they think. If I am publicly against it, that's going to make somebody look bad. So I don't want to embarrass anybody, but I'm trying to quietly influence. And if they ask my opinion, I'm going to give it.